Well, God bless you all. Man, what are we going to be doing for the next few nights? Well, we're going to be having church, but different. By that, I mean custom-built, custom-designed strictly for you and the needs that you have and the needs that America has. Hello. Now I can't hear me, Sam. Turn me up just a little bit and the needs that we have, and we need what, church? We need more of Jesus. Why? We're living in some times that you and I have never seen. <coughs> Is there any veterans out there that was in the military? See any hands? One. Your husband that's not here, hopefully he's listening in, okay? Well, I'm a Vietnam veteran, I'm a, I was a Marine, and let me tell you, I never thought I'd see what has happened in America. But we have got something to fall back on that the things and people of the world do not, okay? And that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be covering one subject during this whole revival, and that is the definition of the word revival. What does revival mean to us? Well, we've done a whole bunch of revivals. What it means in the Webster's Dictionary is a restoration of force, validity, and effectiveness. That's going to be our sermon topics. The first one is going to be force, power. Now, how do we derive power, church? Who said that? You again. You get up here in the front row. I, the hecklers always sit up here in the front row. I love picking on her. She's, she's a good one to pick on, huh? Okay. What sort of power or force are we talking about? Okay, it begins with your salvation. Okay? Now, I don't know how it was with you, but the power source that I found was the literal knowledge that this God that we have heard about is alive. Okay, what does he have that's a power source? He created everything with a move of his mighty hand. With such awesome power, church, he created everything we can touch, smell, and feel, including your flesh. He created this flesh out of the dust, out of the dirt, if you would. And he created a woman out of one of our ribs. She got mine. It was a, a literal creation from out of us that gave us the happiness, peace, and joy. And everybody better agree with this one. Those ladies bring us, amen. I got the right one, Pastor. When you're in ministry, you better have the right wife. How would you like to live in 360 square feet with a 100-pound Doberman pincher, huh? You better get along. So it's possible to achieve happiness, peace, and joy when, number one, we put Jesus first in our life. To know that we are saved, to know that Christ has given us power literally to walk in this world is our topic for this morning. Turn with me to Matthew. Chapter 16. Oh, I broke it already. It's all right. I can do this. 
I are a mechanic. Matthew 16. Okay. Let's go down to verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men, I underlined that, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some say thou art art John the Baptist, some Elias, some others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever shall be loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Father, thank you for this word. It will endure forever. We'll have it in heaven, and we're so grateful we have it here while we're in earth and on this earth. Thank you for being with us this day, Lord. Anoint me to preach this gospel and anoint us to receive it. Let it be food unto our souls and enlarge the borders of our minds so that we can see what God truly has given us, the power of life. And I'm grateful for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. Okay. So what is Christ saying here to Peter? He says, Flesh and blood has not revealed to you, Simon, but my Father which is in heaven. He's talking about a born-again experience. Now, I don't know how it was with you. I heard about the Lord. I called myself an atheist, agnostic for sure. Why? Why do people, and I want to just say, I'm going to talk about me here. Why do we say I don't believe in God? I've had a lot of people come to me and try and tell me about, did you know that Jesus loves you? No. <laughs> come on. Now, this is get real time here. I do not soft pedal stuff. I'm going to tell you how it was with me and how it is with us now. I had a lot of men. As an auto mechanic in dealerships, I was an aircraft mechanic in the military. I fixed trucks. I've had guys walk up to me, very meek and mild, a Christian guy. Did you know that Jesus loves you? No. What do you want in Bible thumpers? Remember that? Well, I just want five minutes of your time. Get out of here. I don't want to hear it. Why did I have that attitude? See, I didn't know God. I lived in the world just like you did. All of us can't be like Wanda, born saved. <laughs> her dad was a preacher, lived in a Christian home all of her life coddled, carried around on a pillow. Boy, am I going to pay for that when I get in the bus. I mean, she was a, she is a sweetie and will always be that way. You know, I have to have that because you can tell what kind of personality I got. So I needed that precious girl, but I didn't know the Lord. 
I was raised a Catholic. If you want to consider I had a drug problem, my mom drugged me to church once a year whether I needed it or not. Once a year, usually during Lent or whatever. Now, I didn't know the Lord. Imagine going to a church service done in Latin. Man, I speak English. I don't know nothing about no Latin, do you? I'm picking on the Catholics. I was one of them. I said I was. I was nothing. I did what everybody else did. What do you do in a church service where everyone's... Don't you dare say a word. You whisper him. And you, you, know, you get up and you, you look around and you do what everybody else does, you know? And uh, so I'm not going to pick on any, any further than that. I did not know Jesus, okay? Something happened around age 30-ish. Now, I didn't get saved till I was 30, 30 years old. Until then, I was a heathen, lived out in the world, and I was never into trouble. My mom told me when I was an adult, she says, you know what, son? She said, you never gave me any trouble growing up. I said, thank you, mom. And I didn't. I was too deathly afraid of my dad. <laughs> now, he was a Baptist. My mom was a Catholic. I was a nothing. But boy, between the two of them, you'd have to go and cut your own switch and God help you if you heard the belt come off of his pants. Both of them from the south. My mom was from New Orleans. My dad was from Ball Knob, Arkansas. But born in Missouri. Raised in an old-fashioned home. And I come from Baptist preachers back on my dad's side. The first Cherokee Indian preacher was named Peace. It was. That's what they tell me anyway. My granny never lied. I called her granny because she was a wonderful woman, stern, tough, but made the best biscuits you've ever eaten. I didn't know the Lord, but somebody somewhere began praying. Maybe it was the Lord himself, Jesus, paid me a visit in my own home, and as I walked into the presence of God, I was totally helpless. I fell right on my knees and then I fell on my face. I began weeping like a baby. I couldn't wipe my eyes. I was just totally helpless. I couldn't move. And he spoke these words to me for the very first time. All men bow before me. Church, we will all bow before Christ one day. Okay? I don't care men how tough you think we are. We're nothing in the sight of God. We're literally dirt in His hands. And when He proved that to me, it was the beginning of something that was wonderful and special to me. I knew the power of God. The power that God possesses, church, could destroy, and I'm not going to get hold of my sermon, ahead of my sermon tonight. He could destroy this world anytime He wants to. But let's start at the beginning, and that is when you were born again. It wasn't too many years later that I got up off the floor and wiped my tears away. Two years it took before the Lord literally got a hold of me and I walked into the back of the church. Between that time and my salvation, every night when I'd come home from work, I'd look to see if anybody was watching, and I found an old Bible. I began opening it up. I tried, I said tried, I tried to read it, it made no sense to me. It was a jumbled up mess. It looked repetitious, I'd slam it. <clears throat> Next night I'd come home from work, 
in the Bible again. What is this? This went on for two years until finally the Lord literally opened my eyes. And when he did, I was by myself in such an unhappy state that I didn't care whether I lived or died. Not that I was suicidal. Most of us aren't. But you can get so unhappy that you don't care whether life goes on for the next day or not. Yet Jesus brought me to that place and that's church. That is where America is going to have to go to before we ever look up. If you're wondering what is wrong with America, you're beginning to know. We have not bowed our knee to Jesus and we have not hurt so bad to where we don't care whether we live or die. That's the only time you will ever look up. We're human, we're natural, we're, we're born in sin and yet God in His infinite mercy and love and His grace has a, has a way of drawing us into the family of God. He gives you a choice. We have to take it. God does not force feed salvation to you. You had to make that choice to yield to the Lord Jesus Christ or to walk away from Him. Many people are still walking away. But it's a choice they make. Because why? Because we have not told them about Christ. Now those people, while I was working in car dealerships that tried to witness to me, they witnessed the wrong way. You can't walk up to a guy that's tattooed up, probably what kind of life has he had? Pretty tough, I'd say. It shows. You can't walk up and say, did you know Jesus loves you? No. What you've got to do is you have to live this in front of them. You don't walk around meek and mild and say, oh, Lord. Okay, you girls can do that to ladies, but not to men. Men have to know and understand that the power of God is what's going to save them or give them death. Life and death hangs on your tongue as a Christian. What are you going to say to those that's lying on the street because a Harley went down and busted their body all up like we just saw in Tombstone two weeks ago, less than that. Blasted off going down the road right in the middle of Tombstone on that 20 mile an hour curve they're having a Harley in or something. And I had four motorcycles. Yeah, I know I look like a car salesman. I had four of them. The last one about killed me and my son too. I will never throw a leg on another one. I got something real safe, horses. <laughs> Had them for 40 years, still got two. Well, they blasted off and went around the curb. Boy, I want to show off in front of them people in the bus. 30 feet from here to that door, the first guy, he went down. Busted him and the, the bike to pieces. His woman or wife that was behind him was right behind him in a Harley. She got scared, same thing. She did the chicken. Busted her to pieces, laying there with her arms to her side, and everybody stopped. I called 911. I don't know if she lived through it or not. Did they know the Lord? What kind of a lifestyle are they leading? Do they know the Lord? In a split second, there's life and death. You don't have time to ask God to forgive you. What you do have time is to say, Lord, come into my life. There's something about me that needs to be changed. 
we ain't as tough as we think we are. Lay on that street after getting beat up by a motorcycle. I believe you'll think again. Amen. The power of life and death is what our God has. A restoration of force. We need to understand who we are. If we're living for Jesus, there's going to be a change in our inward and outward appearance. We ain't going to want to live like we did in the world. We don't want to look like we used to look. I sure don't. I walked around for 31 years in a greasy shirt fixing your cars at Chevrolet. Chrysler, Cadillac. You know, I worked for those people. I never had a suit. You could go in my closet and you could find two or three pairs of pants and a shirt, and that's all I ever owned besides a uniform. But I didn't know Jesus. But when I finally did, he made the change in my life that was worth it. He introduced me to the power of God that he possessed to give me life. Now, where did I go from there? Well, right down here, we're going to give you that. Boy, time's flying. Okay, let's go back to the Word. Verse 19, chapter 16. Jesus said, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What did he mean? I'm going to give unto you, because you have been born again, because Peter, because Pastor Ralph, now the Father has shown you that I am the Son of God. We're born again. Now I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of God. What's a key? Well, everybody thinks of a key you're going to unlock something with. Look at this. A key, definition of, that which serves to reveal solutions to riddles or mysteries. A word-for-word -word book containing solutions to problems. This is the key. And the next word that Christ said is of, O-F. It's a preposition. It means belonging to. Now let's read it with eyes that have been renewed. Now that you've been born again, Christ is saying to us, and I say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, your salvation. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you that which serves to reveal solutions to riddles or mysteries, this word-for-word -word book containing solutions of problems belonging or pertaining to life and pertaining to the kingdom of heaven. We have got eyes that see and ears that hear when we've been born again. It's building a foundation. Building a foundation. Jesus is always building a foundation. It begins with being born again. But church, where do you take it from there? Where do you take it from there? I'm saved. I said the sinner's prayer. Wait a minute. That's the beginning. I don't know how it is with you, but this thing is still going on some 40 years almost later. I was saved in 1987 completely. I say that because that's when I was baptized. First thing I wanted to do was what? I was sprinkled as a Catholic, but I was never submerged in water. Why did I want to have a baptism 
literally submerged in water because I had read it or I'd heard it or I knew something revealed to me by the power of God that I needed to be baptized. So I did her right. I went in my backyard. I was saved in Redding, California. I had a seasonal creek. I'm a country boy. We still live way out in the woods. I had a creek. It was in April. It had a water running in there, but wasn't quite deep enough, so I went and got two 55-gallon barrels. They were empty. Threw them down in the water and put a blue tarp down in there to raise the water level up. I wanted to do it right. I don't care about the elbow in there and get it at 99 degrees, whatever. Okay, you guys want to do that? That's all right. I wanted to do it right, man. So I went out in the backyard and made my own baptismal. Called the pastor up. Will you come out and baptize me in between church? Sure, I will. He brings a big deacon out with him. Looks at that and he says, Brother Art, I've baptized people in lakes and streams and creeks. He said, but I ain't never baptized anyone in a blue tarp. <laughs> I said, Brother, get me wet. He says, get her done. We got down in there. And I'm telling you, I got cold and wet when I came up. But I did it the very best I could. Ten minutes later, the devil starts speaking to me. Your right toe was out of the water. <laughs> Pastor, you sure you got me? Oh, Brother Artie said, the devil's lying to you. He says, now you, we got you good. A few minutes later, your stomach was sticking out. You didn't get all wet. <laughs> Pastor, are you sure? He says, Brother Art, that devil's lying to you. Besides, it isn't the literal dipping of the water that saves you. It's the condition of your heart. You see, I had a real experience with God, and I wanted it to continue and grow. I wanted that foundation to build, and by doing so, I wanted it exactly right as best as I could possibly get it. And I found out that dipping in that cold water didn't hurt one bit. And the devil did try to lie to me. But what do we have here? And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, once you've been born again, you are now introduced to two things, heaven and hell. And you have an enemy of your soul, but God gives you the power, the power, church, in order to resist the devil, Satan, who's always after you to go back. Come back to me. Remember what it was like to hang out at the bar? Wake up the next day. How did you have a good time? Oh, my God, no. Was it worth it? Oh, I think so. I don't know. Well, you're going to wake up tomorrow morning as a Christian and say, I feel fine. I'm glad I went to church. There's a world of difference between what the world has got to offer you and the things that Jesus has got. I'm trying to hurry. i got one more illustration. <laughs> this year, I added on a room addition to our home. 48 feet by 25 feet. Huge. We wanted more room, so we got her done. Well, I started with the foundation, poured the concrete. We had the rebar in there, the runners, and then in between for the, the whole deal. Well, I found out by the time I got to putting the flooring in there, I made a mistake. Oh, no. I was four inches too wide. Oh, no. 
Now that's okay, but it threw the entire room off by four inches. It's square, but I somehow wound up with four inches too wide. Now how did I do that? I don't know. But we had to add on to everything, the entire side of the walls, inside and out. I had to piece things in. It was a, it was a real lot of work and not a mess, but it was difficult, okay? It really made things difficult because I started with the foundation being four inches too wide. How's your foundation? This is what we're building on during this revival. A restoration of the foundation is today. We're going to restore what God has begun in your life. Have you forgotten that real born-again experience? Have you forgotten the power of God that brought you into salvation? The only way to get it back is in prayer and in here. The Lord himself will reveal to you what he wants you to do. Maybe there's a portion of your life that you need to get rid of. Is all of what I'm doing, Lord, pleasing to you? We've left that out, Pastor. Well, okay, I'm saved. I'm going to see heaven. So I'll still do the things I used to do, man, you know, because the pastor preaches it that way. I, I'm going to make it. Well, now, wait a minute. What's pleasing to God? There's a key element missing in our walk with Christ when we do things like that. If we are not pleasing to God and doing the things to God, where's the blessings? Where, where's that safety that when I throw my leg on my Harley or whatever, I'm not going to hit the street? What about when Art and Wanda Peace drive all over this nation in that old bus out there and we find that a tire's ready to explode, but it didn't happen? He's holding us in the hollow of his hand. He's keeping us safe because why? We're right with him. We're doing something that's pleasing to him. And these blessings are flowing right down here in heaven. I mean in hell. I mean, yeah. Purgatory. Wherever you might want to call chloride. We're storing up rewards in heaven when we're pleasing to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something what I believe. If we're out of line, God's going to correct you. It's called a course correction. Revivals can do that. If you need a course correction in the way that you're going, the Lord can give you a little indication. You need to go back this way. In order to stay pleasing with God, all we have to do is live a clean and holy and pure life. It is not that hard. He's given us the power, the force. He's given us the word. We know what to do because not only do, are we born again, but we've read it. And now he's given us the keys of the kingdom of God, and it's right here in the word. We're leaving out a big portion of where the blessings come from. Read it. You'll understand that this God that we know is not very well pleased with the way the world is going. And because of it, we're all going to have to put up with what God is allowing to happen. Here's the key, though. We get to see heaven. 
through all of the hardships, the trials, and this isn't the first time. Wanda figured it out this morning. 400 and how many years? 422 years ago, America was first trod upon by the pilgrims. They were persecuted, ran out of England. Nobody wanted them there because they were Bible thumpers. How dare you say that what I'm doing is not pleasing to the Lord? So what did they do? They got rid of them, sent them over here. Was it easy? No. But look what happened because of it. The most powerful nation in this world, the most blessed nation in this world, the most Christian nation in the entire world for 400 years. And now look what has happened. The last few generations, people have done anything that they wanted to do. Got to be all right with God. Of course, I don't know him. Well, I don't care. I'll just do things my way. Why don't we rein back a little bit and say, Lord, what is in me that you don't like? There's something in me that needs to be changed. What can I do to go to a lost and dying world that's causing America to fall, literally? Church, if we don't do something about this country, we're going to lose it. Do you see it? I know from as being a veteran, we don't have leadership. We don't have the people that prove to you that peace can only come through strength, force. You've got to have a bigger stick than your enemy. But when you've got God on your side, there is no way you can lose. And you come back tonight and I'll prove it to you because we got a sermon tonight that will open your eyes about what God is able to do. Okay? Amen. Father, we thank you that we know you grateful for the Word of God, thankful that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus, we come to you this morning and pray that you'll open the windows of our heart and our soul and our body, because what we put into our eyes and our ears and into our body reflects what's in our heart, the way we speak, the way we talk, the way we see things, perceive them, and even the way we look, the way we dress, looks inside the windows of our heart. Lord, let us have holiness and purity come out of our heart this day. Cause us to repent and say, Lord, look inside of me. Forgive me if there's things I've been doing that I know is wrong but took advantage of your grace and your mercy. I took advantage of my salvation, Lord. I ask you to bless me as I ask you to forgive me of it. Wash me in your precious blood. Come back into my life and lead me and guide me into a better place than I've been in where blessings will flow and you're pleased with me. And I might even see someone saved through it all. We thank you for using us in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there here someone this morning? You've been playing games. Well, I'm going to see heaven no matter what. Maybe that message was meant just for you. Maybe God wants you to repent. He wants you to turn from the way you've been going and come back to what things that pleases Him, not what pleases you. We don't count. I can guarantee you the people laying on the street of Tombstone after busting their Harleys up wishes they would have turned back and come to Jesus. I guarantee that.
it's a facade, a joke to think that we will die and just go into outer space. No, you're going to stand before Christ and give an account of everything that you have said and done. I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Is that okay? Anybody need special prayer? Do you need salvation? We want you to know that you are saved, that you'll see heaven. It starts with the prayer. It starts, church. Then the foundation begins being built. Don't make it four inches off. Go and recheck the tape measure. Get some help if you need it because it will cause you a whole lot more work later on down the road. Start with the beginning and it will go a whole lot better for you. Amen? Pastor, will you come forward? Anybody, anybody need prayer for any reason? Maybe you're sick in body. You know what? I've seen miracles. I know. I've seen it. There's no reason why we can't at least pray and say, Lord, I'm sick in my body. I need a healing. Do you still perform those miracles? You know what? If you doubt God, it's okay. But let him prove to you that a seed of faith can literally change the circumstances in your life. Amen? Listening friend, do you know where you'll go after you die? Without the gift of Jesus, it will be an eternity in hell without God. Good works will not get you there. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. To spend eternity with God, we must recognize that we are sinners in need of Christ. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. To be assured eternal life, we simply talk to God, admit you are a sinner, and ask him for his free gift. You must mean the words to get the to be answered. Jesus is waiting to hear your request. If you have asked him for eternal life, he has come into you and he will change you. Start reading the book of Ephesians and see what God says about your new life. After you understand the book of Ephesians, you can start reading the Gospel of John. Next, find a good Bible teaching church. Tell the pastor about your decision for God and be taught. If you contact us, we will send you a new believer booklet free of charge. Congratulations and grow in Christ. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by snail mail at P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona 86431. We are happy to help with your new life in Christ or even answering Bible questions. Again, congratulations on your decision for Christ.